questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. To all my friends around the world who know what's really going on. To all my conspiracy theorist friends. Yes, sometimes it's a curse and not always a blessing to be awake. Awakening is the most liberating, alienating, excruciating, empowering, lonely, confusing, freeing, frightening, and expensive journey. If you find yourself struggling as you try to process all this insanity, you are not alone. No one talks about the darkness that accompanies awakening or the grief, not only grieving the life and illusions you once had, but the realization that almost everything you thought you once knew is a lie. The beliefs you've held, people you've trusted, principles you were taught, all lies. Shattering illusions is really an enjoyable experience. There is a considerable amount of discomfort that comes with growth, and the grieving process doesn't stop there. With these newfound realizations, you then find yourself grieving all over again, grieving the loss of many relationships with people who just don't get it, feeling alone, being ridiculed and shamed, not only by the masses, but for many of you, your very own family and friends too, feeling like you no longer have much in common with the people you are surrounded by, struggling with carrying on bullshit, shallow conversations that lack substance with those who are still fast asleep, even feeling disconnected from your entire support system because they can't see what you see. Some even grieve the loss of their ignorance because ignorance is bliss and reality is harsh. But you know, ignorance is a choice. Awakening can be a lonely road and you will often find yourself journeying alone. There is no way to sugarcoat it. Awakening to the realities of this world is brutal. It will have you running through the entire gamut of human emotions. You have to master the art of diving down the darkest of the rabbit holes only to come out and still function in daily life. And that's a skill people don't talk about enough. Some of you are struggling with feeling disconnected from family and friends. It's as though they exist in another world or dimension. Please know, you are not alone. And not only are you not alone, you have an entire tribe standing with you. We may be separated by miles and oceans, but we are deeply connected in purpose and in spirit. Australia, tonight's episode is for you. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, EMP shield, solar, and EMP protection, rebounders, CBD pure hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at VeritasRadio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Sade Watson does not have any websites or social media presence, as he deleted everything from the internet 10 years ago, 
when he found out about everything that was planned for Agenda 21, and he wanted to just go dark from the internet and start building a community and real-life freedom cells for direct action-based activism and to support community when all this played out. He is back online and is using alternative media channels so he can put up a series of films about COVID-19 and the agenda and about who created this and how and the solutions to combat them the next 10 years. Zaid worked in the Hollywood film industry at Warner Brothers Studios at the Gold Coast with films such as Thor and other films for Marvel Disney Studios. He worked with a lot of mining companies and banking CEOs for some documentaries he made where he learned a lot about secret societies controlling so much of politics and media. He worked for Amnesty International Australia, for the Marine Conservation Society Queensland, Animals Asia, Let's Be Young Borders, Animal Justice Party, where he ran for the Federal Senate and was the president of the Vegetarian and Vegan Society Queensland. He is now running for candidacy for the United Australia Party and organizing freedom rallies and starting up large Queensland-based freedom cells for support networks for food supplies to people who are disallowed to go places based on vaccination passports. And directly from Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, I would like to welcome Zaid Watson. Hello, Zaid, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hey, Mel. Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, I'm, all of us in Australia are so happy that we've, uh, we're getting a voice finally speaking out um, to some other countries and hopefully around the world. Believe me when I tell you, and I told you this offline, not a day goes by that I don't think about my brothers and sisters in Australia, even Canada. It's very similar to what's happening in Canada, but you are today the voice of Australia. I had somebody a few weeks ago who contacted us from Montreal and What's happening up there is just incredible. When you think of Canada, when you think of the freedom, when you think of Australia, how you became a originally a penal colony, and now you're trading your rights to the point where you can't stand up. So I really want to understand, first of all, what is taking place in Australia? This is going to be an all-encompassing conversation, not only about what's happening in Australia, but around the world, the pandemic, the plan for Agenda 2024, 2030, uh, uh, and so on. But let's begin with what's happening in Australia from your perspective. Yep. Um, so I'd say basically the way it's gotten as bad as it has. Um, obviously, there is, um, there is the issues of uh, the health issues going on, um, but it's sort of been just become so hyperbolic through media. Um, the fear propaganda is unlike, I've, actually, it's, I was going to say it's unlike anything I've ever seen, but it's actually very similar to what was going on um, back during 9-11. Um, I remember back then, um, every channel that you put on was just constantly talking about terrorism and potential terrorist attacks. People started becoming fearful and aggressive toward anyone who was Muslim. Um, a really similar things happened um, now where anyone who's not wearing a face mask or um, who doesn't go along with agreeing with everything um, is instantly shunned and seen as the enemy um, because that people are literally being conditioned every single day to believe 
um, they need to be vaccinated. They need to um, wear face masks. They need to do everything that they're told. Um, and it's very Pavlovian style conditioning. Um, the sort of the, the sort of phrases and things they're saying through the media um, are things like um, everybody doing the right thing um, and they're using intentionally using terms all the time like stay safe um, to the point where now every person you speak to instead of saying they used to say have a good day or um, a whole range of different like colloquial sort of Aussie things now it's always stay safe because be safe yeah stay safe um, fearful yeah and that was actually I saw that back in um, 2019 I was looking up uh, both on clinicaltrials.gov um, and there's some academic papers I was looking at for consumer science studies um, and they actually done studies um, polling that term where they intentionally come up with using that term and repeating it over and over in order to create um, this sort of fear environment. Um, so it's all been intentional and then by creating that um, and then with social media and everything else, dopamine-driven feedback loops, um, it starts changing chemistry of people's brains and really conditioning them so much. Um, people are, so many people, like particularly here in Queensland, um, we've had so many different lockdowns and then we'll be let out again for a little while and then locked down again that it's literally exactly like Pavlovian conditioning. We've even walking around with the face mask like a dog's muzzle um, where we're allowed to take it off if we do the right thing. Um, and they're doing the same with the lockdowns. They're saying anytime um, there's protests or anything like that, they try and blame the protests for causing the lockdowns when if you actually look at the data, um, people aren't being, there isn't the hospitalizations and deaths um, there's just cases, um, and obviously if they turn the cycling off any time they want, they can uh, say someone's tested positive um, and that there's a new case. So then that allows them to target specific groups, um, which is what we've seen. When it first started, um, they wanted all the elderly people in nursing homes to get vaccinated first. Um, so then you started seeing nurses in nursing homes and elderly people testing positive. Um, and then that all disappeared because then they wanted younger people. They wanted uni students. Um, so then they suddenly started testing positive for coronavirus. Um, then the same happened later with protesters and then the truck drivers and then the fine flyout workers with the mining companies um and it was always whatever was in the news of what they wanted if they were wanting to um get rid of a mining project all of a sudden the miners uh, were found to have coronavirus that they'd brought in um when the truck drivers were all striking protesting against having to be vaccinated to cross the borders all of a sudden the truck driver was meant to have brought coronavirus to the state um what maybe like one or two could be coincidental but the amount has just been so transparent um that this is an agenda and that they're intentionally um just telling the public that people are testing positive um so that's basically been what started it all um 
And instead of people seeing that it's the government taking away their freedoms, they're seeing it as that it's people not complying that are taking away their freedoms. And that's what's caused everything. Um, the media is just continually running stories, articles. Um, they're playing off political identity so much now. Um, Australia never used to be a country that called themselves right wing or left wing. Um, we've always been a country that's sort of just been had a very relaxed view toward politics. Um, the majority of people when I was growing up um, would always say um, all politicians are assholes and things like that. Um, they never had any views um, of one or the other party, the whole red versus blue. Um, ever since the last just couple of years, they've really turned up um, media with left-wing, right-wing sort of politics. Um, and from that and from people, particularly through Facebook and social media, um, where they started creating these echo chambers for and labelling people as right-wing or left-wing, they've been able to associate values um, and things like that with one or the other side to the point now where they've been able to really influence people's decisions heaps. Um, so basically now they're playing off that saying that um, anyone who doesn't support these guidelines and they've used a whole range of things they say are Trump supporters, a QAnon, um, a conspiracy theorist, um, uh, anti-science, uh, anti-vax, um, despite half the people that aren't supporting them being doctors and nurses and virologists, um, half the people um, are on the left-wing side of politics. Um, but it's really worked well um, to turn people against each other. So, so basically they've created two teams in order to divide and conquer because that's what they really want. We've always had yeah. this in the United States, but it's it's the same thing is happening here. The echo chambers, which you know, some people believe that by listening to the right one, they're actually listening to the right information or the left. It's all yeah. the same thing. It's it's two wings from the same bird, the same elite. Yeah. Mainstream media is just nothing but propaganda against the people, and uh, that's probably why, uh, since you grew up at a time when everybody thought politicians are corrupt they don't want that because everybody had the same mindset but now you're putting people in silos uh, here for example we have the people who are on the left or, right, or the right but i have seen the interesting thing is that i sometimes see people from the left standing up saying nope we want freedom of choice when it comes to being vaccinated and we have people on the right saying nope you need to wear your mask so the politic line the political lines are being erased somehow with this issue. It's more of the uh, what used to be 9-11. If you question the official narrative, you are not patriotic. Now, if you question the quote-unquote science, and I write science with a dollar sign, then you are a part of the problem. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing with the whole trust the science thing. Um, it's definitely being trust the science and not just trust science. Um it's trusting one specific area of science, which is basically Fauci's science, um, of, which is essentially just propaganda um, for pharmaceutical companies. And 
that's been a big part of the issue is I think where, where you see the divides going away with right wing and left wing and people who have stayed true to their values, um, people who care about freedoms and human rights and equality and that sort of thing. But for the general public, um, particularly I'm seeing it a lot with younger people, about 16 and up, um, they haven't really formed much of a value system yet or much of a identity. They don't really know themselves. Um, so it's very easy to influence them and it's very easy if they tend to lean a bit toward uh, left-wing politics, um, particularly because so many of their favourite musicians or celebrities um, will be presenting themselves as being more left-wing politics. Um, and then they're being told that if they support left-wing politics, then they should be supporting theirs. Um, then they tend just to go along agreeing with all the guidelines without actually looking into the subject at all. Um, most of them aren't looking up data. They're not questioning anything. Um, I've spoken to so many of them who have been out really angry at people protesting um, saying that they're going to cause everybody to lock down again and or um, that they're selfish and they're risking people's health and everything because they're not wearing masks. And I'll go up and I'll speak to them and say, well, have you actually looked into the mask studies? Uh, most of the time they'll be wearing a thin little material mask that their nose is sticking out from. And I'll ask them, are they aware the mask is... Um, and that the mask allows up to over 97% of virus particles um, to transfer through the mask, um, and none of them are ever aware of it or have ever looked into the studies. And then if I talk to them and explain all the health implications um, with those masks, um, with causing bacterial bacteria and fungus buildup um, if they're not being washed every few hours because face masks have never been intended to be worn all day um, when they try and argue about surgeons wearing face masks in operations um, they would even those studies haven't shown any significance um, but even if you just say that they're good to wear um, to catch droplets or whatever else they definitely don't prevent aerosols um, some studies they've tried to argue if they modify the mask it can prevent um moisture droplets and things like that um, but that was intended to be worn just during surgery um, it wasn't intended to be worn all day the health implications of things like that especially if the masks aren't being washed um, it can cause to lower the immune system lung infections um, which can lead to bacterial pneumonia um, and then when you look at um, the symptoms of bacterial pneumonia, um, they're almost exactly the same as SARS um, or SARS-CoV-2 um, because it's a respiratory um, problem. So then those people present with symptoms, um, then go in, get a test, and if the cycling's up high enough, they'll test positive to coronavirus. So it definitely also creates... Um, a way that they can start diagnosing large amounts of people with coronavirus who might not actually have it. Um, and then there's the other aspect that if they go to 
surgical face masks, um, which uh, I think they can prevent about 40, no, it allows about 44% transfer of virus particles. Um, so they block a little bit more, but what people don't realize is they've changed a lot over the years. They're not just paper. The reason they block, the paper ones were blocking nothing. Um, the ones that are now the nano-woven um, surgical face masks, the only reason they're blocking those viruses is from all the chemical that they put through them um, and nano-silver. The nano-silver particles, um, there's a whole range of issues with, um, particularly with the microflora, um, like the microbiome in the stomach. Um, they're finding a whole range of problems with both for humans and also when they dispose of them, they've actually been finding that they're damaging the microorganisms in the soil. Um, but then there's, they've also identified uh, five different toxic um, chemicals that are in them that are with three of them actually being identified as carcinogenic. Um, and one of, one of the really large studies they done on them <clears throat> only a few years ago uh, found that it was similar to breathing in asbestos. Um, and that study was only done for people wearing them um, on a short time that wasn't wearing them all day. So you can imagine the damage and the risk that's doing to young people who are at only a small risk of getting sick um, with coronavirus. And then you look at what that could be doing to kids in schools who are being made to wear surgical face masks all day with their lungs. Um, I think it's just crazy, the stuff that they're doing. And I think if people knew the science, they, the majority of people, no matter which side, would be out arguing and protesting as well. Um, but unfortunately, most people aren't very, um, most people haven't been taught a whole lot about science um, or how to analyze and interpret data. Um, so it makes it very easy to skew data or to present it a different way in media um, to manipulate people. Makes you wonder when you look at history, 1918, the, the Spanish flu which should not be called the Spanish flu, and I ex have explained that many times, that was created in a lab in the United States at the end yeah. of World War One, And uh, during that time, sanitation was really scarce. It was not the same as what we have now. People didn't take showers on a daily basis. There was hardly any hot water. So if they ever washed their faces, it was with cold water and, and uh, with soap that was not, uh, you know, did not kill germs. So it caused a lot of pneumonia, which was attributed to, I was going to say COVID-19, attributed to the Spanish flu, but it's just like now. Even if you have comorbidities, you could be dying on a plane crash or your parachute didn't work. We'll go to the hospital. Look, guess what? You have the COVID-19. And then if you get into the hospital, you get it intubated, you die, the hospital makes $48,000. So what some nurses are saying is, you know, for example, this drug called remdesivir, they're calling it uh, remdes death is run death is near. So even yeah. nurses are joking about that, basically telling people in a in a uh, uh, subconscious way, stay away from the hospital. Let me go back to Australia for a moment. I just read this a few days ago from your 
health officer in uh, New South Wales, Chief Health Officer Dr. Carrie Chant, living with COVID-19. She says, quote, can I stress we will not be ever be going to back to pre-COVID levels. We're always going to have to be mindful that COVID exists. We're going to have to engage with booster shots, unquote. And then in another interview, so that she says, this is the new world order. Those are her words. Then I see today Pfizer, the Pfizer CEO. Uh, people are paying attention to him as if he were the president of a country. And it says, he says, normal life, one return without regular COVID vaccinations. And he says, I don't think that this means that we would we should be able to live our lives without having vaccinations. So obviously this is here for the long term. Two weeks to flatten the curve are turning into an eternity, Zaid. Yeah. And the thing is, when you pick apart just about every any argument that they've said so far, you can see there's no logic to it and there's no science to it. And you look at Sweden, you look at Denmark, they're already returning back to normal. So how yep. at the same time of that happening, can countries like Australia and Canada be coming out, signing up deals for the next two and three years to be buying booster shots? And it's in the millions and millions of dollars. Um, Canada in particular only just done that deal a couple of days ago um, to they buy that they buy a first lot of booster shots um, that will last them through to next year but then they actually increase um, the purchases of the booster shots for 2023 um, so they're actually buying a lot more uh, in 2023 um, which doesn't make any sense to be buying that far ahead um, unless it's for something other than just health management like they're presenting it to the public um, as far as here, uh, yeah, she she's had that become pretty famous when she spoke out um, when she said New World Order. Um, but she's one in about five now. Um, I'm pretty sure there's been about five both health health officials and politicians around the world that's um, referenced the New World Order now. Um, and I think they're intentionally doing that um, to try and start normalizing that term. Um if they talk about things like that after a year or two, it no longer becomes a conspiracy theory or something to be concerned about. It just becomes a normal um, thing of, okay, this is what's happening, just like the Great Reset. Um, and, yeah, basically, he, uh, it's just, I, I don't know anymore how to get, the normal people that just sit around and watch TV all day and believe whatever um, it tells them um, to start thinking a bit more critically. Um, that's our major issue really at the moment here. I think, I guess it's around the world. Um, the general people are definitely questioning it more. Um, I've even heard a massive amount now of nurses and doctors. I've got a lot of friends that are virologists who's questioned all this from the start. Um, so I think educated people um, and I think a lot of older people um, who are from generations, I know a lot of friends that I have um, from Germany and from Poland and uh, countries, or, and even a lot of friends from China um, who have grown up in countries that have had dictatorships through their history 
um, are recognizing a lot of the signs um, that we could be leading into more of an authoritative system. Um, and they're questioning all of this, and particularly uh, the sort of media propaganda that's playing out all the time. Um, but for the general public who's never been in those sorts of situations, um, who don't know a lot about their history, um, it's really sad to see they seem to be falling for it. Um, and I think so much of that has to do with technology. Um, I think that's a lot has to do with their phones, um, with these constant posts all day from Facebook and um, all of their social media. It's just become the best conditioning tool they could have ever developed. Um, it, it allows filtered, censored media um, that's in, been intentionally designed both optogenetically with light, the use of lighting to release certain chemicals, um, algorithm-based, and then they're using the dopamine-driven feedback loops um, to literally reprogram their brain chemically and neurologically um, to induce fear whenever they want, um, to change emotionally change the way they feel about certain topics um politically or um they can they can shape their views so much easier now um so when it's something concerning their health then it becomes even easier for them using fear um to condition people to start to accept more authoritative policies um but this isn't just people accepting it. Um, the other aspect, particularly in Victoria and Sydney, um, is the media censorship. And that's a big part of why so many people in Australia has been desperately wanting media to cover this story more um, in other countries, because our media is not. Um, media ownership in Australia has just become insane. Um, it's condensed so much now. There's essentially five companies um, that are controlling most of Australia's media. But when you actually get down to it and look at the how much control they have, it actually boils down to about three. You've got the Murdoch Press, um, and they have the majority of the media here. Um, and then two more Australians. Um, both of those have sharehold as shareholders in pharmaceutical companies um, and in a whole range of other large corporations that are all connected to this. Um, so, and they own the majority of newspapers, the majority of radio stations, and all of the mainstream media that's free to air television. Um, and then the only other outlet that we have is internet, which is your social media like Facebook and so on, YouTube, and all of that's been censored now and the algorithms are all changing to only put on the mainstream narrative. Um, so the country in only a couple of years um, in terms of media has already become equal to China, in my opinion. We're going to be touching so many subjects today, but you have six states and two territories. We have 50 states and 14 territories. And some of these states behave totally differently than others. For example, the state of Washington is becoming so draconian there that uh, some, of, some people are expecting 
martial law, quarantine camps, just like Canada. But then you have Florida on the opposite opposite side of the spectrum where they they do not mandate vaccines. They have monoclonal uh, locations where people go and, and take care of themselves. Uh, yep. The cases are going down. And you see this, these states and places where cases are going down and the other ones, instead of following what work, what's working, they go in the opposite way. And the same yeah, thing is happening in Australia. You have hardly have any deaths and your cases are really low. Yet you're probably, in my opinion, between you and Canada, you're always there and next to each other to see who's going to be more draconian. Why is that? Uh, you'd have to go ask the minister who, or the health minister that um, just have been referencing the new world order. But I think Victoria and New South Wales in particular, um, they have a massive history of corruption. Um, the politicians who are in at the moment, the New South Wales um politician is actually currently being investigated by the Crimes and Misconduct Commission. Um, she has an ICAC court order soon, um, and she pretty much her entire career has had a huge, um, huge history of corruption. So I think when you have people like that in running the state and then you add to that huge pharmaceutical lobbies um, and huge corporations, that can influence them financially, um, then they're going to become the areas that become a lot worse. Um, there are some areas in Australia that haven't been too bad, um, but for the most part, they've pretty much all been running the same. South Australia has actually been even worse in terms of um, surveillance. The app systems that they had to use were just crazy. Um, they were the first to trial this app where they would get a notification and they'd have to take a photo um, of using their phone. Everybody had to get the app for a start, um, where at least there's no checks or anything that people have their apps here in Queensland. Um, and there's ways around the check-in systems, um, whereas they all had to download it um, they all had to check in everywhere they went. Um, the app policies, the terms and conditions were really bad where they pretty much just got access to everything on their phone. Um, and then they would have to take photos um, where they were to prove um, they had. They would get a really short time limit where they'd get a text message. They'd have to take a photo to prove that they haven't left um, further than whatever the kilometre distance was that they were given. Um, and if they didn't respond to that text um, within, I think it was about 15 minutes, um, then the police would actually track them. They'd ping their phone with GPS and track them and come out to check on them. <laughs> um, so there's been some crazy stuff. Um, the police presence has got just become absolutely crazy in Australia. Even in Queensland, Queensland's had the lowest um, deaths, lowest hospitalizations, really low um, cases, and still everyone's had been told they have to wear masks probably till December um, without any real explanation why. Um, 
the there's police helicopters that fly around 24-7, even all night. Um, where I am, they fly around a lot more because I'm closer to the city. Um, and you literally sometimes can't sleep at night because they're flying around real loud and they come down a lot lower than they used to. Um, I'm not sure what the reasons are for that. Um, but they're just flying around all day. And then Victoria and New South Wales, they're worse. They fly around all day. And then if anybody's out at a park or beach, they're actually announcing on a megaphone um, that they're not allowed to be out there and have to go back. Um, and they usually get about five minutes and then the police show up. Um, in terms of in terms of the police here uh, in Queensland, the police, the majority of them have actually been pretty good. Um, and they've actually started, uh, a lot of them have actually been petitioning against the mandatory vaccinations um, because a lot of the police in Queensland don't want to get the vaccination either. Um, so maybe that might be why they've been a bit better toward the protesters um, and just toward people in general here. Um, but the Victorian and the New South Wales police have just become worse and worse, um, both in their approach to the general public um, and in the brutality that they're showing any of the protesters. Um, and the saddest thing to see is that you see the footage and I know so many of the people and they send me the footage straight from their phones and they talk to me about what's been going on. And they go there, there's nurses, there's doctors, there's teachers, there's the majority of the people there are families. Um, the last Victoria, the last big protest um, with all the construction workers was obviously a lot of bigger guys that were construction workers. But for the most part, most of the protests that have been happening everywhere are mostly women and kids. They're the families that are concerned about their kids, they don't want to get them vaccinated and the families don't want to get vaccinated. Um, so they're not wanting mandatory vaccinations with where they can lose their job if they don't um, or these vaccine passports where they can't. Because in Australia, they're not just not being allowed to travel um, out of Australia and in a lot of people's cases we still haven't had heaps of people come back um, so many people have been stuck and not even allowed to come back to Australia who are Australian citizens none of them have been financially supported while they're stuck over in other countries um, but the bigger thing is that they've actually closed all of the state borders as well and said that none of us can travel to the other states um, without um, essentially vaccine passports, um, without documents to prove that they've been vaccinated, um, which isn't just affecting people's families and everything else, um, it's affecting their health. Um, there was cases um, where because of that system, people that were being rushed to hospital and even babies that were being rushed to hospital for transplants um, didn't make it because they were held up. Um, there's, there was a case where one lady was getting specialised cancer treatment in New South Wales coming from um, Queen, just off of the Queensland border um, because they were the only hospital that done it and she didn't want to get vaccinated. Um, she was even advised that 
she would be at a higher risk and probably shouldn't get it by a doctor. Um, and she wasn't allowed to go through anymore and get those cancer treatments. Um, so it was clearly not about health. Um, and then the police, they just, they're in such massive numbers um, and they have this really oppressive sort of attitude. Um, some of them are good, like in all all cases that you see around the world. Um, there are some really nice, really fine police in both in New South Wales and in Victoria. Um, there's even one of the ex-chief of police has actually started up um, an organisation called, uh, I think it's called Cops for COVID Truth, um, where he actually done a petition up and is speaking on behalf of a lot of the police there that don't agree with all of this. Um, and then Victoria followed and done the same. And then Queensland has been putting together petitions from police being both opposed to the policies and um, opposed to having to be vaccinated. Um, so there are definitely a lot of good, genuine police. Um, but the problem is because they're intentionally being, the premiers of the states are intentionally trying to change police to be more of a police force than a police service. Um, they're trying to create this intimidation and this fear and they're, they're instructing police to be more like that. Then it's allowing um, the sorts of police that are in that um, industry that are more usually the younger police um, and usually more the ones that got into it more to just bully people and beat them up. These are the sort of police now that have becoming worse and worse um, and there's videos coming out where they're strangling kids or they're throwing old ladies to the ground or they're kicking people in their face and there's nothing. Um, it gets sent to the police and none of those police officers get in any trouble. So because of that, um, with every few weeks, you're seeing worse and worse police brutality um, and worse and worse intimidation of the general public um, because all these sort of police now are seeing that they can get away with it and they're becoming more power hungry and a lot worse. Um, there's a video that came out just the other day, uh, two old ladies were just sitting in the park in New South Wales um, doing exactly what the majority of health professionals are saying for them to do to get out, get fresh air, get plenty of sunlight for vitamin D it's good for their immune system. It's good for their mental health. Um, there's so much more for healthcare um, than just trying to prevent a virus. Um, the immune system is affected so much both by mental health um, and by being out in nature in the environment. Um, so to prevent these people for so long from getting outside to parks or hiking or beaches is just crazy um, and these ladies were doing nothing they were just sitting in the park um, and the police come up and they always come up now in 5, 10, 15 police officers that surround them to be really intimidating um, and they just kept hassling her um, and then another police officer come around the back and grabbed the phone off her and pulled it real hard off of her and took her phone um, all of those things used to be illegal, but in just over a year, um, they've changed all the laws. So now 
police can just come up and take your phone off of you forcefully. They can take all the data off of that phone. Um, it's just a crazy thing to see the way it's getting. Um, and then with the protests, the brutality of how bad they're getting in the protests is just crazy. Um, and I watched the footage too. That was another thing is how they portray it in the media. Um, so the last protests that went on, people were all just standing in the main part of the city protesting. The police pretty much herded these people. They brought through um, port, um, which is a police service that is usually only used for really sort of violent riots. Um, and then they also brought in tactical operations, um, the tactical operations unit um, and bear cats, which are these huge, big sort of metal, almost like tanks. They're these big metal cars um, that actually do have live ammunition equipped to them. Um, but what they were all equipped with that day um, were they had, um, they were like paintball sort of bullets, but they had um, peppercorns in them. So it was like pepper spray. So when it hit people, it would burn their skin and um, burn their eyes. If it went in their eyes, they had um, foam spray. That was actual like capsicum spray, um, but a foam so that it stuck to your body more. Um, so then it would burn more and be more difficult to get out of your face. Um, they had these massive rubber bullets. Um, one guy it split his entire skull open um, and he needed to get stitches and rush to hospital. Um, a few women that I saw the photos of, their entire face was just completely swollen um, because they were firing them straight at their faces. Um, they had they were equipped on the day with what's essentially it's like a rocket launcher but of a plastic bullet um but the damage that that can do to a person especially if it hit an elderly person or a child is just insane to even have brought something like that to a peaceful protest um and then they also had gas canisters and stuff like that um so that was a sort of artillery and military style way that they responded to a peaceful protest we're seeing um, then they we're seeing all they of this happening here zaid and we're we just can't understand it because we we always saw police in australia being more passive but i bet you that if you had an antifa riot destroying businesses the police wouldn't do a thing whether it's in australia or canada or what we saw here last summer in the united states but i really what i meant to ask you maybe i didn't craft my question correctly do you have different states behaving differently like here we do in the United States, where some are saying, we're not going to play this game anymore. There are no mandates. We're going to have to coexist with this virus, just like we coexist with tuberculosis and a dozen other diseases. Or is it a uh, a phenomenon that's that's going through the entire country? Yeah, no, it's not. It's more pretty much the whole country. Um, there are definitely some states that haven't become as bad, um, but... In terms of just going along um, with the policies, with whatever guidelines are put out, um, it's a unified response. Um, and that's really surprised a lot of people. Um, a lot of the construction workers have been really surprised with the Labor Party um, because the Labor Party was formed 
for laborers um, and construction workers and has now just sold out their values so much over the years. Um, so now the Labor Party still fully supports the Liberal Party, which is more like the Conservative Party here in Australia. Um, and they are the ones who are actually in federal government at the moment. Um, and then we also have a Greens Party, which is more like what would be considered the more left-wing party. Um, and they've always been meant to be about where that their focus is meant to be more about equality and human rights. Um, and the whole three parties have just pretty much fully supported um, all of these different policies and guidelines. The Greens Party has spoken out a little bit, some of their members, um, about the police brutality. Um, but other than that, in terms of the guidelines, they've all been supportive of it. The only parties that are speaking out opposed to it um, are the small independent parties. I'm just looking here, and I think a lot of this is being concocted. For example, a lot of your police, from what we see, I may be wrong, but it's almost as if they're being federalized. They're all behaving the same no matter what state. Here in the United States, thankfully, a lot of local police are saying, we're going to stand down. These mandates are ridiculous. They're anti-constitutional. But, for example, here we have a new governor in the state of New York who's saying, let me just cross over now to the medical industry, but uh, she's saying if any doctor or nurses in hospitals decline the the, the shot, we're going to replace him with foreign nationals. So that's the new threat here in the United States. But let me ask you this. 1996 in your country, you had the, uh, well, what is known worldwide as the Tasmanian uh, massacre, I believe that's, that's uh, the Port Arthur massacre. Do you think that if you hadn't had that incident and people still carried their guns and their gun rights, things will be different now? that you are basically the only ones who have guns and are being used against you, even though they call them non-lethal weapons with all these things that you described. Do you think things would be different if 1996 Poor Arthur Massacre hadn't happened? Um, it's hard to say. Um, I think years ago I used to think that way. I thought I supported, um, I thought that might help. But to be honest, with the sorts of weapons and the attitude um, that I've seen of government. Um, I think even in America, just a year or so ago, everyone was shocked by Biden, what he said when he come out and said, um, guns aren't going to work well against tanks or something like that, right. um, where he was basically threatening his own citizens. Um, and I really think the government would get to that point. Um, so, there's, it's a difficult argument to know um, because I think in some ways they, they're good and it can defend people, um, but it can also lead to far worse violence. Um, so it's hard to know which is the best solution. Um, I don't really see mandating um, and taking away guns as being a good thing um, anymore, um, but... I also don't see that they're going to help all that much in this sort of fight. Um, well, well, I well, I don't mean to interject, but what I'm saying is I see countries that do not have gun rights, Canada, yep. Australia, and I see the way they're treating the people. And so far, this hasn't happened here yet. 
And I suspect it's probably because of this. Yeah, you're right. We cannot compete with a lot of the modern uh, weaponry that they have. And speaking of weaponry, I think this whole, I don't mean to deviate here for a second, but I keep hearing the term, and you probably have too, from Dr. Fauci, gain of function. I am so tired of listening to that term. Why don't they call it what it is? Instead of gain of function, it's biological weapon development. Where's your country when it comes to listening to the CDC? Is the whole world listening to this guy who's not even elected and the CDC is not even a government entity? Um, So the way our government works is that we listen to the TGA. Um, It's a therapeutic goods administration. But the problem is that the TGA um, goes off the majority of guidelines from FDA, CDC, and that sort of thing as well. Um, and then the majority of all of them go off the guidelines with the World Health Organization. Um, I'm not sure how much you know about them, um, but obviously I'm sure you know about the history of their current leader, of Tedros, um, <laughs> yes. with the way, yeah, all of his terrorism background and everything else and corruption over the years. Um, and a communist. Yeah, and then you also look at the influence um, of the Lucius Trust um, that the Lucius Trust is having over the UN and the World Health guidelines as well. Um, So I sort of see the majority of countries, no matter what what their organisation is, they they usually still then go off the guidelines of world health um, or off of whatever America's doing. Because the thing people don't get as well, like it's not just um, in terms of guidelines and content being sent through to these different doctors or different CEOs um, of things like the TGA or whatever else. Um, as well as donations, actual financial donations they're getting from pharmaceutical companies. Um, But media actually shapes a lot of their views as well. Um, I've known so many over the years that work for some pretty big organisations. They're kept busy as all day, every day. Um, So the majority of them, unless they're looking into things, the majority of information that they get um, and views that they form are still coming just from the media that we're all watching as well. Um, So unfortunately, their views can be shaped pretty easily, just as much as any of us can um, to then support the World Health Guidelines or the CDC's guidelines um, and just believe the same narrative, um, which I think is what's happening. If the truckers here in the United States decided to stop all business business activity and even government probably would have to stop. And I know the truckies, you could be calling truckers, you call them truckies. I know the truckies in, in your part of the world did something in the past few days. Did it accomplish something? Um, well, there were some truckies in uh, Queensland um, that done some stuff and that got media. Um that got a little bit of media coverage. Um, what they done didn't do a lot because um, it was broken up pretty quick. But this is a difficult sort of debate because no one really knows 100% at the moment 
um, what's happened. A lot of people believe the truckies have been striking um, and supporting them in Victoria and Sydney, particularly in Sydney. There has been a lot of footage sent through to me showing a large amount of truck drivers striking on highways in Sydney. Um, but it's become so difficult to know what's actually happening, what's truth, um, because they, a lot of people don't realise they've shut down our ability to live stream Facebook and they're doing it quite often. Um, they, the Australian government passed a bill not long ago. Um, it was a privacy and surveillance bill that allows them now without a warrant um, to hack people's computers and their account, uh, accounts, including Facebook accounts, um, to take all of their information and data um, off of their computers or phones um, and then to also post um, actual comments and posts and text messages to their contacts um, as them. Wow. Um, so it's become very difficult. Um, the censorship of Facebook um, and of the media has become so difficult now to know what's actually going on when you can't even cross states. Um, the only way we're knowing is through phone calls and text messages and using encrypted uh, messaging services. Um, but as far as we could tell, there were quite a few truck driver strikes that went on. Um, some areas it seemed to affect them because a lot of the supermarkets weren't getting groceries um, and a lot of different areas weren't getting supplies. Um, which obviously that causes an inconvenience and affects them economically. Um, so maybe hopefully that had a bit of an effect. Um, but it's, it's so difficult because the only way we were able to tell that they were actually doing it, we were being told that they never striked. Um, the media, everything mm. was putting up that they never actually went on strike and decided not to and all this different stuff. Um, and then all of their pages were just silent. There were no posts. There was nothing. And this has happened with a lot of the activist groups as well. They've just gone completely dead and not, you never see posts from them again. Um, but then when we actually looked at RACQ roadmaps, um, which are live, um, it was showing blockages on all the major highways. Um, they put it up on the media saying it was just from, um, car accidents and then the next day when it was still blocked they put up saying that um, it was traffic jams <laughs> um, but it lasted quite a few days so that makes me think they probably did strike um, but I still haven't been able to fully confirm that so it's difficult to know what went on with the truck driver strikes at the moment um, I think that's definitely one of the ways to do it though um, um, I think starting to really focus on things that affect them financially. I think like the Hong Kong protests showed that a lot when they started hitting the shopping centers um, and just staying in shopping centers and doing things. And like if bus drivers and people like that start walking off the job, um, people that cause significant um, disruption to business as usual and to economics financially, definitely can play a big incentive at changing government policy. And that's what needs to happen. When people yep. say, that's it, we're going to reject this, we're not going to comply. This is when 
they start just pushing back and saying, okay, okay, when the pushback is too hard, but the problem is there are too many, and I hate to continue using this condescending term normie, but we have too many normies, and I want to start discussing a few things about Hollywood soon, because you worked in the belly of the beast as well. Uh, Let me ask you this. Your movie industry experience, dopamine hits, shortening of our attention span. I see a lot of youth right now, they can't even watch a, a movie from the 90s, 80s, let alone, you know, 2000s sometimes because they feel like, oh, it's taking too long. It's boring. They're being trained. Authority It's actually training them to delegate their thinking to authority figures so that everyone becomes compliant. Do you see that? Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, just before I go to that topic, I did just want to... I've, forgot to mention when you were uh, before and I heard you saying about the government talking about bringing in foreign troops. Um, there's actually a new bill. It's called the Defense Legislation Amendment um, Bill of 2020, um, inverted brackets, it's Enhancement of Defense Force Response to Emergencies. They're trying to rush through at the moment here in Australia. Um, and what that bill will actually allow is exactly what you were just talking about um, for them to bring in foreign troops um, to supposedly manage emergencies. But when you look into the fine print, um, and I did, I looked into um, what that bill actually had. Um, It meant that they could, it was very, very vague at what was considered an emergency. Um, And it meant that the foreign troops they bring in would actually have the same powers as police and military here um, against Australian citizens. Um, so I think that's a really big deal, especially anyone in Australia that's listening to this. Um, I really hope that they write to their politicians um, and really get out in the streets Um Um, October 1st, by the way, is the next big activist event. Um, I'm sure you'll be able to find ways of where to go, even if you just go to your major city on that day. Um, But I strongly suggest um, really getting out and protesting against this bill because it has the potential of making huge changes to this country um, and to our freedoms. So um, slight but, adjustment, slight adjustment to what you just said. You're absolutely right on what you're saying. But what I meant was the governor of New York replacing medical workers with foreign nationals. Oh, right. yeah, but you're right. Cool. You're right. This is also talk here in the United States by even the Biden administration who reserves the right, the right to bring U.N. troops in the event of an emergency. We are in a state of emergency. So... And by the way, I think it was you who sent me a video this morning of a a protester approaching a car and out of that vehicle come out these these what look to be soldiers in 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 uh, their green you know uniforms. Yeah, that was in Victoria. Yeah. Um and that that's actually that was something I got off the topic of too. Um Is that the National the, Guard or are they uh, soldiers? No, so they were um, tactical response. Um, they were tactical units of the military. Um, so all of these sort of people are usually only ever brought out in really extreme terrorist events. Um, the only time we've seen them brought out over the last 
say 30 years um, was during a, the terrorist hostage situations in Sydney. Um, they Governments have never brought out um, those sorts of tactical operation units against their own citizens that are just peacefully protesting, waving cardboard signs. Um, and that's that was part of what happened as well, where these people are all standing peacefully. Um, they got fired at and then all started running away. The police actually chased them, continuing to fire these rubber bullets at them till they ended up hurting them to the point of um, the famous war memorial. Um, it was the police who directed them in that way, chasing them and herded them. They ran to the war memorial um, while running people yelled out to go there because it's probably the safest spot um, because they didn't think that their own police would fire at citizens at a war memorial. Um, and then the media portrayed it as these protesters going to a war memorial and not caring about the veterans and um, and that the police come in to prevent them from damaging it. Um, so that's the sort of manipulation that media is doing to turn the public against um, the protesters or anyone who speaks out about what's going on. Um, but yeah, I'll get back to talking about um, what's going on with media these days with younger people. Um, I think that's definitely a massive part of it, um, really changing people's values. Um, I mean, you look at what our sort of generation grew up with, like 90s films and stuff, where and even kids media, the level that kids media has changed is just crazy. Um, it used to be really sort of fun, intelligent, entertaining sort of shows. It's been dumbed down so much now. Um, they've changed values so much now that they teach in films and shows um, where it's become a lot more teaching them about money and um, sexual perversion. Money the priority. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then you're definitely seeing um, a lot of shows these days um, really changing just all the essential values that people have um, and the normal sorts of ways of socializing with each other. Um, I, and I think priorities too. If you can change people's priorities to prioritize convenience um, over everything else, this, or I always call it a manufactured convenience because it's like people will buy junk food or microwave food because they see it as convenient, but in the end, it leads to all these health problems that are far more inconvenient. Um, and it's the same sort of thing that's going on um, with everything else where they think we'll leave it up to the government to do everything. It's more convenient and it leads to a far worse life or um, they do the same sort of thing with their life where they'll say we'll drive, we'll just opt for um, doing all these things that are easier that don't give us any sort of um, discomfort or difficulty. Um, it's really teaching people to get rid of self-discipline. Um, and then by doing that, it leads to them becoming less independent, less able to do anything, um, relying far more on corporations and governments. Um, uh, 
and it leads to far more inconvenient issues for themselves. Um, but because they've been taught to prioritize that um, from the moment they were born, pretty much, um, that becomes their major priority over everything else. We have to take a one and only intermission, but let me just say this before we break. You mentioned you have friends who experienced communism. And by the way, you're talking to one today, me and my family. My family escaped it and trained me every day of my life on how to spot it if it was creeping up. And it is creeping up all over the world. I have friends from China who escaped and they're now in Australia. They write to me all the time. Poland, Venezuela, plenty from Cuba and the rest of them, Vietnam and so on. And they tell me the same thing over and over. And what they just can't understand is we experienced this We are now in free countries. We've been alerting family and friends, new generations of what we went through. And it's almost as if our words go through one ear and come out through the other. But also about these mask mandates. Yeah. Why is it so difficult to understand that masks lower oxygen intake, folks, flooding your bloodstream with CO2, creates hypercapnia, acidity, which enables your body's terrain to get sick when your pH goes down too much, including your lungs, which develop pneumonia when you have lower oxygen levels. It's not surprising now, and we're going to go back to Hollywood when we come back because you worked in that belly of the beast for about 10 years. It's not surprising to know that Hollywood has been placing hints in many of their movies and TV series about a planned pandemic or pandemic. The X-Files... Black Goo, uh, to The Simpsons, to the British series Utopia, which they made a, an American version, which has an American version too. So all these, they've been telling us, almost as if they feel that they have to alert us, uh, otherwise the plan won't work. But all these things we'll discuss when we come back. How can people learn? I know you've been out of, of social media and the internet, but you do have a BitChute uh, channel, I believe, that I'll link on this interview. How else can people learn more about your work? Um, yeah, so I've pretty much gone off everything. Um, the majority of people these days always try and tell me, particularly in media and marketing. I worked in marketing for years, so I know um, how important it is. But for me, I got to a point where, and I think everyone feels like it when you're video editing and things like that, you get sick of being on the computer and you think, I just don't want to be part of this system anymore to try and change the system. Um, but I got to a point where I just thought I can't keep being part of it anymore. So I just went off everything. But um, I have the BitChute channel. I've only just started up because I feel like this film's the, uh, probably the most important film I've ever made. And this will be a four part series. Um, and it'll go into a lot of what you're saying. Um, that's called Last Chance Revolution, um, the channel. And then you can also email me at lastchancerevolution at protonmail.com. When we come back, I also want to discuss BlackRock and Vanguard. I've discussed this in the past few weeks. They own pretty much everything. Everything. Yep. Amazon, Google, the YouTube, Facebook, the rest of them. Every food company. Look at the major shareholders and there they are but what you might not know is that they were the major players in developing this virus based pandemic so a lot more when we come back this is Mel Hasselrick my special guest from Australia is Zade Watson much more when we return don't go anywhere 
Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe, to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.